right, welcome. This is uh, Chris Newbold, and welcome to another version of the Alps podcast, Alps in Brief. I'm sitting here in downtown Chicago uh, with uh, one of the uh, experts in the field of wellness, um, Jeff Bunn, who's the owner uh, of the Mindful Law Coaching and Consulting Group. And I uh, had a chance to meet Jeff a few weeks ago, and he's doing some, some wonderful work in the field. And today we're going to talk about the, the business case for wellness and why that makes good sense for, uh, for, for, for firms, law firms, and, and the, the legal profession in general. So maybe what we'll, what we'll do is start, Jeff, by just having you um, just introduce yourself and, sure. and kind of what gives you uh, an interest in this particular area. I know you've had a distinguished legal career as well, so maybe just a, a little context on who you are. Absolutely, be happy. Thanks very much for inviting me, uh, Chris. It's a, it's a delight to speak with you. Um, so my focus is really uh, mindfulness, which is a little piece of the wellness pie, if you will. Um, I happen to think it's a great and very important issue. It's an, it's an issue that uh, gets a lot of um, play, a lot of thought, a lot of curiosity. Um, my story, very briefly, I started, I used to be like your type A trial guy, uh, long distance running. Um, I was walking the dog one day, slipped on some uh, black ice, got my knee scoped, um, and long story short, couldn't run anymore. So I was looking for something that was kind of a low impact, no impact alternative to running. Uh, little did I realize that I used to go out, and when I'm talking about running, I'm talking about like an hour or two hours kind of thing. Mm. Uh, it was meditation for me. What I got into uh, because of my injury, though, was yoga. And um, a lot of the uh, men and women that I met practicing yoga talk about not only the, the poses and the practice, but also other uh, things um, that are more kind of spiritual. And I just found that that kind of uh, resonated for me. Um, and I took a, um, a, a training session um, uh, and uh, meditation training session, that is, and I just kind of got into it. Now, I'm not uh, a proselytizer. I'm not kind of out there banging the drum for being a spiritual guru. Quite to the contrary. I think that there are um, a lot of aspects of mindfulness, which is a piece of a larger tradition, like the Buddhist tradition. Uh, in particular, uh, that I think can be, it's not an all or nothing proposition, uh, as a lot of uh, people, men and women who I respect, feel uh, a great deal of affection for and know. They're kind of an all or nothing. You're either all in or you're not. Um, and I get that. I understand it. Um, but I do believe that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. There are aspects of um, that faith or spiritual practice, Buddhism, mindfulness in particular, that can have a business application. Mm. My uh, saying is, uh, which I ripped off from uh, Dan Harris, who's a great guy, uh, is a news anchor that uh, you or some of your listeners may know of. Also the author of a great book, 10% uh, Happier. Uh, it's an old book now. He's written more uh, recently. Uh, but it's about mindfulness and how it changed him. Uh, and um, Dan came up with a description of what is mindfulness. Well, if you ask 50 different people, you're going to get 50 different uh, definitions. But he came up with um, a great just sound bite that just works for me. Simple, secular, scientific. And that's what, really what it is. To me, brain, uh, it, it's brain training. Um, mindfulness, uh, that aspect of a broader practice can be 
segmented can be applied to the business world in terms of helping us focus our attention, prioritize our distractions, uh, and the like. Yeah. Um, so is that, is that the, that's the key to it then, is the ability? I mean, obviously we know that most lawyers in practice are kind of go, 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 busy, yeah. busy, busy, yep. right? And yep. so yep. the value proposition of mindfulness comes in where? I think in terms of uh, being able to, again, focus our, our attention and then prioritize uh, distractions. Yeah. Uh, there are distractions like emails, yeah. telephone calls, uh, partners hanging out with a cup of coffee in the doorway wanting to talk about whatever. Um, and yet we have uh, a filing that we have to get done uh, by such and such a, a time. Um, or we have a meeting uh, coming up in 20 minutes and we need to think about that. Uh, or a phone call or what have you. So I think that um, there are a lot of, just like, um, I think of it in terms of physical fitness and mental fitness. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets the idea of physical fitness now. Uh, and it's, as employee benefits go, it's not a, a stretch at all to have firms or businesses uh, help their employees deal with, uh, they'll make contributions towards their, their monthly gym dues or what have you. Well, let's start taking care of our minds as well as our bodies. And I think if you do, if you think of mindfulness as not just kind of vague woo-woo kind of thing, but actually very specific brain training, attention, uh, prioritizing, distract the distractions will come. But if one learns to um, focus one's attention in the midst of all the distractions that come, uh, it's going to make you a better lawyer. It'll make you a better professional. And therefore, I think it has um, those practices, while they may not seem obvious, have an application in the business world. Yeah. And you've been, you know, we had a chance to be on a, a panel a couple of weeks ago, and I think you've been able to crystallize as succinctly as I've been able to kind of hear it about just the, 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 the value of mindfulness and the value that it can bring. You know, if I'm a senior partner in a law firm, Build the case for me for why this is a this is a this is a, a good path to pursue because oftentimes we hear wellness and we think oh somebody's taking a two hour lunch which yeah. you know for a lot yeah. of senior partners means that's less billable hours yeah. right and so it's it's a little bit of a, a I think you've been able to turn it on its head a little bit and say there are some real definitive business case elements to. Uh, thinking about wellness, thinking about mindfulness, mm -hmm. um, and I'd love for you, for you to present that for our sure. audience. Sure, and I'd, I'd uh, be happy to do that. It really has been part of my journey. As I started off, I started, if I was having a conversation with you, and you'd ask me, what, what is mindfulness? And I'd start talking to you about what mindfulness is. But in your mind, you could just see kind of people's eyes glaze over. They're just saying it's all woo-woo, and old Jeff has lost it. He's gone around the bend. Um, and I get that. It was very frustrating at first because I felt like I was banging my head against the wall trying to convince people of something that they were disinclined to believe. Then I started thinking, you know, if you can change the conversation, uh, don't talk about something that um, whoever you're speaking to may think of as woo-woo, as something kind of vague and ill-defined with a lot of negative connotations. Let's talk about things that we do understand uh, that have real meaning for us. And that's how I started thinking about, is there such a thing as a business case for mindfulness? And I think there is. Uh, and as I've thought about it, 
Uh, I've come up with, there were five areas that I touched upon that I alluded to when you and I last met. Um, I think, I'm sure there are more, it just requires more thought. But um, just knocking them off in here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call yeah. myself out here, I better remember this. <laughs> uh, recruiting, yeah. retention, uh, insurance costs, CLE costs, and basically productivity, mm -hmm. which kind of ties all those together. Um, I think uh, in terms of business, hard dollars, the idea of recruiting younger men and women. Uh, how, does, how does one law firm uh, stand out from the crowd? How does one distinguish oneself? Uh, if if um, a recruiter is able to say, we value the minds of the men and women who work for us, yeah. uh, old and young, uh, and we put our money where our mouth is, that's going to help uh, tell you tell a story that's going to hopefully help you recruit the, the best and the brightest to your firm. Particularly with this generation. Right? Absolutely. I mean, the, the one that's, I think, coming into the legal profession with a sense of, uh, you know, obviously I want to do incredible work as a lawyer, but I also want to maintain a better work-life balance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I have said, and I still maintain, that a law firm's greatest asset is its, is its lawyers' talent. minds. Yeah. And you know, if, if you can begin to make a case, a real case, not just lip service, but a real case that we value our lawyers' minds. We want to protect them. And the way we protect them is help them uh, be happier, help them live a life that's more fulfilling. Then uh, that's a good thing for them, and it's good for us as mm -hmm. well. Which really gets to the, the idea of retention. If um, men and women who are at a law firm five, six, seven years out, instead of saying, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go in-house, I'm gonna go do something else, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, but I, I'm done doing this, the law firm thing. Well, what a, way, what a cost. I mean, the, the cost of the law firm of replacing the talent is huge. Huge. Yeah. It's hu hundreds of thousands of dollars. The, you, you lose, uh, in terms of continuity mm -hmm. of service to clients, you lose potentially the business of some clients. There's just nothing good, I would submit, that um, accrues to a law firm by virtue of the departure of um, a seasoned professional. I think it behooves a law firm to uh, do what it can to help keep the men and women it has been developing. So recruiting is a big issue, but retention, I think, is a huge issue. I think also insurance costs. Uh, and kudos to Alps for uh, um, recognizing that. I think that um, both in the area of health costs and perhaps professional liability costs, yep. it can be uh, having a real committed program, a defined program, uh, can help deal with both health costs and uh, professional liability costs. Uh, very quick on the health thing, one might qu question, how does taking care of your mind uh, translate into uh, uh, benefits that can accrue to your physically, to your body? Um, what I mentioned in um, uh, the talk that that you and I participated in recently was uh, a Wall Street Journal article that was two or three weeks ago, maybe a month at best, uh, uh, that was talking about uh, mindfulness app developers that are uh, have begun the process of applying through the FDA for um, approval of their apps, some of their apps, as medical devices mm. because and now we get into the science that, that I won't bore you or your listeners with now. Um, the science behind 
all of this. If you go to um, Aetna, is a big company that um, has embraced mindfulness. If you go to, if you have any interest at all, uh, go to their website. Yeah. Aetna's got a great... Uh, the scientific studies are kind of clearly there big now. Big time, big yeah. time. And, and um, on, on the subject of science, too, I'm a little bit off topic here, but I'll, I'll go there. Uh, the idea of neuroplasticity. So relevance for younger men and women in terms of recruiting and retention. That's, I, I think, something that, that firms need to pay attention to. But what about their older people, people like me? Yeah. Um, why would I care? Well, forget about me, but just as an example, as a, a human being who's 65 years old, uh, neuroplasticity, which has driven a lot of the, the science and a lot of studies, uh, um, is really the answer. Uh, and the concept behind neuroplasticity is that regardless of one's age, it's not just babies, it can be 65-year-old people. Uh, we can rewire our brains and we can learn new things. The brain is a live, malleable plastic thing and um, there are good reasons why even older people can and should en engage in mindfulness because it relates to neuroplasticity and the ability to learn. So um, <clears throat> again back to got the, CLE and the, then productivity. The, the, right so now we got CLE and productivity. CLE a lot of states have started to, well I should there are at least a handful maybe 10 states now that have adopted ABA standards uh, and the ABA did a great service to our profession, too, by uh, appointing the National Task Force on Well-Being, which uh, authored a report. It's a lengthy report, as you know very well, 70-ish yep. pages, including the appendices. And it's a great read, by the way. Uh, so I, I heartily commend it to uh, anybody who's interested in the topic. But um, apropos of that task force findings, uh, there have been um, recent changes uh, recommended, not yet adopted by all states, but it's just a matter of time, it will be, that uh, include among CLE a requirement that men and women in the legal profession study programs that are either uh, mental uh, health, substance abuse, diversity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest to you that I think um, in terms of, and those are costs that are typically borne by a law firm, uh, that um, instituting a a program um, will help a firm qualify and uh, train their people in that area. Yeah. All which gets to the, the issue of productivity, yeah. which uh, just makes people who are happier and are better balanced work better. Yeah. Not, not longer. Yeah. The billable hour is still with us. Um, and uh, there's going to be a plenty of emphasis placed on that by the business people. Um, but uh, allowing and putting into place programs that help our uh, men and women work better yeah. is, uh, as opposed to longer. And there's uh, no doubt that to, want, you know, to be a good lawyer, one has to be a healthy lawyer, right? And, and the more that we encourage those types of cultures, I think the more that we're going to see the economic return on that. Absolutely. And, and I, uh, just in conclusion, <clears throat> there, it, it, it occurs to me, that, uh, and I think I mentioned this too earlier, that uh, I think the airlines really get it right when we all fly for business or uh, pleasure. Uh, and part of the opening instructions are always, if in the unlikely <laughs> event of a, a water landing or whatever, take care of yourself first. Put your, air, put your mask on first, then take care of other people. Yeah. The same concept applies to uh, lawyers. If we learn to take care of ourselves, ourselves physically and mentally, we'll do a better job for our clients. Awesome. 
Well, Jeff, if, if people want to get a hold of you and want to talk a little bit more about the mindfulness or the wellness uh, things that you are, you are working on, how can they reach you? Love to do that. Thank you for asking. Uh, probably the best way is to deal with my email address right now is jbunlaw, J-B-U-N-N law, at gmail.com. Spang me out an email. Um, whatever's on your mind. I obviously like to talk about <laughs> this stuff, uh, and I'm, I'd be delighted to do just that. Good. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, listeners. And again, if you have any uh, topics of interest that you'd like us to focus on in upcoming podcasts, please let us please let us know. Thank Chris, you. Chris, thanks. Okay.